perfect team. We gotta stay together. Good or bad, just like Al Green. You're my best friend. I know I can count on you. You complete me, made for me. This is how it should be.
tune in to the Forefront Radio, www.anchor.fm slash the Forefront. Listen every week on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, and many other platforms. The seminary that trains many Southern Baptist preachers is acknowledging something about its history that was widely known but often ignored. It was founded by men who owned slaves and defended slavery. Later stop, leaders. Stop. It says it was founded by men that owned slaves. Now, can, can, I, can I ask you a question? Can you get something sweet out of a bitter fountain? Can you make something straight that's crooked? Now, how the hell now today, if the foundation of it was based on these men with slave owners, which they owned us, that now it's okay, like the church is right, because they acknowledge it. You, you can't fix that light. That's not how it works. So again, Christianity is not based on white supremacy. Play it. White supremacy. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary reviews its legacy of racism in a new report, and we have more now from NPR's Tom Jelton. The 71-page document is thoroughly researched and unsparing. In an introductory letter, Seminary President Albert Moeller summarizes, The founding fathers of this school, all four of them, were deeply involved in slavery and deeply complicit in the defense of slavery, Moeller writes. Many of their successors, he says, advocated segregation and the inferiority of African Americans. We knew in generalities that the founders of the seminary owned slaves. We knew in generality that they've been very much a part of Southern culture, the culture of reconstruction and uh, even legal segregation, but it had never been documented. The report, written by six current and former faculty members, draws heavily on the seminary's own archives. It acknowledges the only reason a separate Southern Baptist denomination was formed back in 1845 was because Northern Baptists refused to appoint slaveholders as missionaries. The Southern Baptist Convention, more than 20 years ago, apologized for its connection to slavery. Last year, it passed a resolution condemning white supremacy. The Southern Baptists today are distinguished from others, mainly by their more evangelical and politically conservative identity. Allison Green, a historian of religion at Emory University, says this new report is significant, but she wonders what might follow. Making a statement about Confederate monuments might be a next step, or taking a stand on questions of voting rights in the 21st century. There will be more changes, says Albert Moeller, though he can't say what yet. There are no statues on the campus of seminary founders to remove, he says. There are buildings named after the founders. No changes there are planned. Taking the names off in one sense is just an an effort to try to hide. This is the seminary story, Moeller says. The new report is the school taking responsibility for its history. Tom Jelton, NPR News. Okay, watch this. After all that speaking, they just said, yeah, oh, founders had slaves. They, what is the solution? Or how are they fixing it? Okay, we had slaves, and that's just what it is. Okay, now you know. We already knew that. But they, they just said it openly. Does it fix anything? They said, uh, we're taking out the names off the schools, uh, we're not going to do that. Um, we're going to figure out something. And that's, that's the end of it. Come on, man. William Miller was an American Baptist preacher who is credited with beginning the mid-19th century North American religious movement known as Millerism. After his proclamation of the second coming, 
did not occur, as expected in the 1940s. New heirs of his message emerged, including the Advent Christians, 1860, the Seventh-day Adventists, 1863, and other Adventist movements. Find out more on the Forefront Radio. So think about doing an episode, right? So, you know, as a podcaster, it's my responsibility to provide information as accurately as possible that I can to the listeners. And on occasion, I'll come across people that really don't necessarily care about the information, but feel like their emotions supersede historical accuracy, documented evidence, historical records, books, archaeology, census data. I mean, like, how can you say color doesn't matter, right? When they were literally taking group loads of people based on race and bringing them on slave ships between North, Central, South America, Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, India. But they damn sure thought color mattered because if they were grabbing white folks, they'd have been like, no, this one, no, don't put them on the ship. Get this guy. Exactly. They knew exactly who they enslaved. It's so ignorant because, I mean, they based off of color. It's so it's such an ignorant thing to say. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. So when it comes to the greatest nation of people on the earth, the so-called lost tribes of Israel, how can an entire race vanish off the place, face of the earth? But we know about their history. We know about Jesus We know about his miracles. We know about the geographical location of where they lived in Northeast Africa. They call it Middle East. And I'm like, yo, where's Middle South? Where is Middle North? No, that's Northeast Africa. That's where that region is. So then I'm like, okay, if you're going to say color doesn't matter, why is it that when you go to Russia and the Ethiopian church, there are various colors depicted? You'll see where they're showing Jesus, Mother Mary, Paul, Moses, as black. Does mm-hmm. it even make sense to, to you? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on, on the comment that was made? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's an ignorant thing to say. I think it's coming from an emotion. You know, it's not from, like you said, from the back. It's just how they feel personally. Like, oh, that doesn't matter. They're trying to cover something up, but whatever, it truly bothers them. You know, the truth, and it's being revealed, it makes them uncomfortable. So they're like, it doesn't matter. I mean, just like, it doesn't have to be even like, it can very well be a black person. Well, I shouldn't call them black people, but you know what I mean. It just makes them uncomfortable. They may be married to one, and so they feel like, or their kids may be, uh, you know, I hate to say mixed too, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, so they feel some type of way that they have a family member like this. So they're like, it doesn't matter because they they chosen to accept that. But it does. It it definitely matters. I definitely agree with you in regards to some people having relatives that are different um, nationalities and mixtures. But just just saying a comment like, oh, we all bleed red, 
and it shouldn't matter what color Jesus Christ is or his people or his mama or his daddy. It don't matter. Let's just focus on his his words. Well, well, in his words, in Matthew 24, he says there shall arise false Christ in his own words. There's going to be false Christ and false prophets who are going to deceive many people. And you have approximately 2.4 or 2.6 billion people that are so-called Christians. And out of African-Americans, you would have about 80 million with Hispanics, about almost 90 to 100 million people in the diaspora that believe in this Christianity, modern Christianity, and they don't know that prior to the 1400s, there was no such thing as a white Jesus. No mm-hmm. such thing. They were all brown. All of them. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus has always been black, historically. So mm-hmm. how would you know the difference? Like for you, let's, let's use it, you as an example. How would you know the difference between the false like Jesus and the true? How would I know the difference, you said? Yeah, like how would you know the difference between the false and the true? I know the difference because it clearly states it in the Bible. That's how I know the difference for myself. Exactly. I I agree. So you would go to what? The owner's manual, right? And you would read the owner's manual and the owner's manual give you the instructions. So if the owner's wow. manual is the Bible <laughs> and it's literally saying Revelation 114, his head and his hair is white like wool. Wool is the texture here. And it says his feet so dark it looked like it was burned in a furnace. I can't get a Caucasian male or an Arab male or a Middle Eastern quote unquote male from that. I I, I don't see brass burned as Caucasian. That doesn't equate to me. I don't see woolly hair as no, it's it's stringy hair. It's straight hair. No, wool is a texture. I don't I don't know. Reading comprehension is is incomprehensible in modern Christianity. Common sense ain't so common. You are now listening to the Forefront Radio, where we discuss history, the Bible, the history of the Israelites, science, and other matters. Bring it out. The history of the Blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans as it relates to the Bible. Who were you prior to slavery? Who were you prior to colonization? These answers and more can be seen and heard as you listen to the Forefront Radio. website called teachingamericanhistory.org. We come across a great uh, poem and letter and speech written by Frederick Douglass. In this speech, he talks about what to the slave is the 4th of July. He was a great abolitionist, and I liken abolitionists in past times to modern-day prison reform that we have today. There is a much need of speakers, protagonists, heroes to stand forth and speak against the 
atrocities that happen and occur within the criminal and uncriminal injustice system of the United States of America, the nation that establishes itself in freedom, but yet enslaves and imprisons the majority of the population more so than anyone else on the planet. And this is not conjecture. This is not a guess. This is historical fact. Historical fact. The United States has imprisoned and enslaved more people than during the time of slavery. As a matter of fact, the United States has been at the helm of of slavery, oppression, murder, and calling it freedom. Let's give an example. Let's look at uh, the modern termination of children, unborn children. The since the since the nineteen seventies, more Black, Indigenous, and Hispanic women have had their childrens killed through the mechanism of the government-sanctioned killing of children, right, unborn children, than any other nation. It's like 19 million or so. 19 million, which is a lot more than the Holocaust. This is actually a greater Holocaust. 19 million. 19 million lives lost from 1970 to now. Now, this is not something to wink at. This is something that we must examine when it comes to having a discussion about modern times, prison reform, slavery, oppression, and what we consider to be atrocities on the earth. Now, I wanted to read briefly a few uh, excerpts from this particular speech because I find it remarkably unique to the conditions that people of the diaspora face here. We stand to grip with trying to rationalize our oppression and live in a survival mechanism of the descendants of former captives and descendants of prisoners of war, the enslaved and oppressed peoples of the earth, and stand up with dignity, integrity, righteousness in the face of stereotypes, in the face of misaligned rhetoric towards us as a nation of people. So here's the quote. I remember also that as a people, Americans are remarkably familiar with all facts which make in their own favor. This is esteemed by some as a national national trait, perhaps a national weakness. It is a fact that whatever makes for a wealth or for the reputation of Americans and can be had cheap will be found by Americans. I shall not be charged with slandering Americans if I say I think the American side of any question may be safely left in American hands. I leave, therefore, the great deeds of your fathers to other gentlemen whose claim to have been regularly descended 
will be less likely to be disputed than mine. My business, if I have any here today, is with the present, the accepted time with God and his cause to the ever-living now. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury its dead. Act, act in the living present, heart within, and God overheard. We have to do with the past only as we can make it useful to the present and to the future. To all inspiring motives, to noble deeds, which can be gained from the past, we are welcome. But now is the time, the important time. Your fathers have lived, died, and have done their work and have done much of it well. You live and must die. You must do your work. You have no right to enjoy a child's share in the labor of your fathers unless your children are to be blessed by your labors. You have no right to wear out and waste the hard-earned fame of your fathers to cover your indolence. Sidney Smith tells us that men seldom eulogize the wisdom and virtues of their fathers, but to excuse some folly or wickedness of their own. This truth is not a doubtful one. There are illustrations of it near and remote, ancient and modern. It was fashionable hundreds of years ago for the children of Jacob to boast, we have Abraham to our father, when they had long lost Abraham's faith and spirit. That people contended themselves under the shadow of Abraham's great name while they repudiated the deeds which made his name great. Need I remind you that a similar thing is being done all over this country today? Need I tell you that the Jews are not the only people who built the tombs of the prophets and garnished the sepulchres of the righteous? Washington could not die till he had broken the chains of his slaves, yet his monument is built up by the price of human blood. And the traitors in the bodies and souls of men shout, We have Washington to our father. Alas, that it should be so, yet so it is. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often interred with their bones. Fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and of a natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I, therefore, called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulted from your independence to us? Would to God, both for your sakes and ours, that an, affirmer, uh, that an affirmative yes answer could be truthful return to these questions. Then would my task be light 
and my burden easy and delightful. For who is there so cold that a nation's sympathy could not warm him? Who so obdurate and dead to the claims of gratitude that would not thankfully acknowledge such priceless benefits? Who so stolid and selfish that would not give his voice to swell the hallelujahs of a nation's jubilee? When the chains of servitude had been torn from his limbs, I am not that man. In a case like that, the dumb might eloquently speak and the lame man leap as a harp. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the ground, illuminated temple of liberty, and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were inhumane mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me? By asking me to speak today? If so, there is a parallel to your conduct. And let me warn you that it is dangerous to copy the example of a nation whose crimes, lowering up to heaven, were thrown down by the breath of the Almighty, burying that nation in irrevocable ruin. I can today take up the plaintive lament of appealed and woe-smitten people. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they who wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing to us one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. Because we indeed, people, that's the end of the quote, by the way. Because we indeed, people, know of a certainty that we are, in fact, the lost tribes of Israel. We are, in fact, the ones that were taken as bond men and bond women, as it is written in Deuteronomy 28, verse 68. We were the ones written of in this Bible, led away captive into all nations, as it is written in Luke chapter 21. And yet those that come against us tell us color doesn't matter. They bend their tongues like their bows for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Those that do wickedness on the earth do not know the Most High, nor could a nation that enslaved, impressed, and brutalized God's people lay claim to the thought of religious liberty and righteousness. It makes no sense. Take ye heed everyone his neighbor, and trust he not in a brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders, and they will deceive everyone his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. 
that they have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Is this not the case of American slavery? Is this not the case of the prison industrial complex, which says you are free from involuntary slavery, involuntary servitude. You are free. You are free to do whatever you please. You are free to be a human being, to live your life and just want to be left alone. But yet these declarations, these amendments, these laws that were made and specifically identified with the American bondman does not correct the wrongs. Because within that stipulation, they say, except, except you are convicted of a crime. So they have now changed the names of our ancestors from slave to inmate, from thug to gangster to criminal to suspect. All these various terminologies they have used against my people, Israel. America is false to the past. It is false to the present and solemnly binds herself to be false to the future. Hey, my friend, you have just listened to The Forefront Radio. Please leave your comment and input about the show, what you like about the show, as well as any general feedback on ways to improve. We need your help to acquire new equipment to implement studio quality video and audio to our friends. Contribute as little as $4.99. It's only worth a cup of coffee. Then we can produce documentaries, more episodes, and great info for the diaspora. Go to Cash App and enter A-P-H-I-E-L-L-E-V-I to donate to the Forefront Radio to cover our advertising costs and reach more people. Catch our next episode on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, anchor.fm slash the forefront. Always remember, the truth shall liberate the mind. Peace to the heirs of promise and the heritage of the scattered 12 tribes.